This is the Libertarian Podcast from the Hoover Institution. I'm your host, Tom Church, and the Libertarian is Professor Richard Epstein. Richard is the Peter and Kirsten Bedford Senior Fellow here at the Hoover Institution. He's the Lawrence A. Tisch Professor of Law at NYU, and he's a senior lecturer at the University of Chicago. Richard, President Biden's poll numbers have steadily fallen since entering office, and one of the problem spots remains the southern border. Uh, One statistic I'll note is that in fiscal year 2021, the Border Patrol made almost 1.7 million arrests of unauthorized immigrants. That was the highest number ever recorded. In 2019, there were 850,000 under uh, President Trump. Monthly arrests, which were around 50,000 during Trump's term, are up to 175,000 per month starting this summer. What do you think explains the difference in migratory flows? Oh, my God. I wish I were more of an expert. But generally speaking, um, if you decide to say that coming to the United States is a risky adventure and you'll be worse off if you do it than not, it will reduce the number of people who want to come. If, on the other hand, what you do is you make it pretty clear that if you start to come to this country, uh, you will get a warm reception of one form or another defined strictly and solely as being allowed to stay in this country under some particular status until your case is fully determined. Uh, So to give you the kind of differences, the Trump people put out a fairly harsh but maybe sound, probably sound situation, which is what counts as a refugee is not somebody who essentially is fleeing from bad economic conditions in another country say Guatemala or Honduras. It's somebody who's feeling, who fears the risk of political repression. Well, it turns out those two definitions are quite different by a factor of tenfold. The moment you repeal the Trump situation or make it clear that you don't enforce it, uh, people are going to get that information. They'll get it through the newspapers. They'll get it through the people who are trying to cut money from them to get them to come north. They'll get it by word of mouth. What makes this even worse is that it used to be that when the streams were smaller, the way in which this happened is that people came from nearby countries, often through Mexico. Now, if you look at the rise in Haitian immigrants, what's pretty clear What's happening is that the word is spreading elsewhere, and then people are getting on boats in order to complete their journey through the southern border. Uh, So you're getting new streams of population in addition to the old one. And the Biden administration is of two minds, as well it should be, I suppose. They're trying to stop some. They're trying not to stop others. They let some people in, and then what they do is they decide to keep them, and they put them in vans, and they then put them into various kinds of places. There's all sorts of people who have been released into their own recognizance where there's a thought that they carry COVID, which they spread the risk of, they carry the risk of spreading and so forth. Uh, there's a huge running battle between Greg Abbott on the one hand and the president, Abbott being the governor of Texas, former attorney general, over exactly when it is that uh, federal power has to yield to state police power. These are all indeterminate questions. And so what really happens is if you start to vacillate, uh, things really start to come. And then you have to figure out what you do. We have very strained resources in the United States with respect to immigrant populations, to put it mildly. There's no housing that's available for them, food and water and short supply. Sanitation is always going to be a risk. Um, I'm not so much worried about criminal behavior with respect to the migrants. I think many of them are trying to be law-abiding, but if they can't get jobs and they can't get food, some of them may turn uh, to crime or something about it. But everything seems to be completely unraveling uh, because on one thing, Trump was right. 
like, which is that if you have the United States, which is regarded by many people as a land of milk and honey, and you do nothing to keep people from coming in, they will come in droves. And this is what has happened. Now, Trump did some pretty tough things earlier on, most notable was which was separating parents from children. It's not that he tortured the children. They put them into camps, but the separation is a huge blow. And the question is, well, do you do that? Well, think of this terrible situation. If you don't separate the parents from the children, you deport the children with the parents, they may not make it back alive on a second journey. If you start to keep them here, they're the pangs of separation. So one of the things to start to understand is when the Trump administration had its small float and the Biden administration has its larger float, given the resource constraints and the emotional issues, there's really no first best solution. So unless you could get those numbers down to manageable proportions, uh, the area is going to reel. And I assume that uh, the administration has not really faced this. Uh, they put Kamala Harris in charge of it. Am I right about that, Tom? Right. And essentially, she hasn't even gone to the border to see what's happening. I think she has cemented her reputation as being one of the most inept vice presidents in recent history. And, you know, people said, oh, compare her to Mike Pence. Well, I don't think people are saying that today. Pence was a rather substantial man. She seems to be a total zero. Let's return to one of the Trump administration uh, policies that that went wrong, and that was splitting up families, um, uh, children from from parents. Uh, This was done a couple uh, years ago. Families were broken up without proper methods of tracking family members. Uh, This particular program ended in 2018. But right now, the Justice Department, Health and Human Services, the Homeland Security, uh, Department of Homeland Security, are looking at paying uh, uh, persons and families affected by this policy, uh, $450,000 per person up, up to, up to that amount families up, up to, family. uh, no, that's per person. A family could receive over a, a million dollars. Uh, and this is for, uh, the, the conditions that the children were put in. It was not a great thing. This is such a interesting and terrible problem, but I'd like to know more about this history of, is there a history of the government offering damages to foreign citizens, especially maybe those who have come illegally? And, and on this scale, we're talking about tens of thousands of families. Um, I am unaware of any program of any sort that has been put into place. And note, of course, if the Biden administration is prepared to do this with respect to the Trump folks, it's going to have to ask the same question with respect to immigrants and families that get broken up on its watch, or if not broken up, subject to other kinds of hardships by virtue of the fact that they're not given suitable accommodation and a subject, even if kept together, to various kinds of damage claims for psychological, emotional, mental distress, and so forth, all of which, by the way, may well be true. Uh, The typical view with respect to immigration was exactly the opposite. It's that nobody has a right to come into this border, and that if you come into this border illegally, by definition, if you're illegal, you have no rights, certainly no rights to compensation. Uh, This, of course, is in fact an open wound, um, and people then realize that suppose somebody comes in as an illegal alien and is now arrested for a street crime. Uh, Can you punish them without due process of law because they're not entitled to be here in the first place? The answer to that particular question turns out to be, I think, no, you have to give them due process for the criminal case. And then you have this anxiety-ridden situation of whether or not if they're convicted of a deportable offense, uh, a small crime now results not only in a $5,000 or $500 fine, but sending them back to a country where they may be in danger for their lives. So we don't know the answer to these questions, but to this particular situation, there has never been, to my knowledge, a situation 
Association, where mistreatment of illegal aliens has given rise to compensatory claims. There are lots of situations where judges will start to come in and say, well, you have to clean this thing up, get better tents, give more blankets, warmth, food, or whatever it is, sort of like trying to deal with a prison case with cruel and unusual conditions. Even that turns out to be extremely difficult because the theory of rights Always founders, when we stopped asking people what we were not allowed to do to people and then ask them the harder question, what do we have to do to support them? It's extremely difficult to figure out what the content of a positive obligation is. And so that has generally been left to kind of political processes. But at this particular point, Biden clearly sees a huge advantage in slapping uh, the previous president without admitting anything under his wrong on his own administration. And this, in fact, is something which I never really confronted before, but it also takes place in other areas. So to give you but one example, uh, there's a question of whether or not Trump can claim the uh, executive privilege or the presidential privilege with respect to deliberations that took place before and after the uprisings or the riots or the insurrections of January 6th of this year. Um, If Trump was still president, he could plead executive privilege. He's not president. So Can Biden the one who has to plead executive privilege? And is Biden the one who is now allowed to waive that privilege on the grounds that he thinks the information should go out? Trump has tried to stop this. My own view about it is that if these are documents under his presidency, um, it may well be that Biden can release them if Trump approves. It probably is the case that he can even keep them consequently quiet, maybe even if Trump wants to release them. But I don't believe that he could release them over the objections of a president, at least without some kind of hearing. What that hearing is going to determine, nobody quite knows. So we're in a complete limbo with respect to this. But what's happened is you won't get litigation on this because it's a clearly closely collusive sign of settlement. Uh, The ACLU and its Ilkin friends have many friends inside the Biden administration or people who have very strong sentiments on civil liberties um, who often worked for these organizations before they came there. And they're the ones who are doing the negotiations. So there's a kind of a really difficult kind of conflict of interest as to whether or not they're giving away too much. This is not novel in this case. There are many cases involving social workers who refuse to terminate benefits that should be terminated because something is done incorrectly by or illegally by their clients. And what they often do is they have such strong identification with their clients is that they look in the opposite direction. So it's a bizarro world since you've had this. And as far as I'm concerned, I can't say categorically uh, that there's nothing that was wrong with what the Trump people did. I don't know if failing to um, keep identifiers on people is the kind of willful, malicious neglect that is necessary to secure liability. I don't even know whether gross negligence is going to be sufficient. My recommendation about this, though, is given the evident conflicts of interest and the unprecedented nature of the action, is you do not want to allow any settlement whatsoever to take place unless you have a series of independent commission that starts to review the allegations and the charges and tries to get to the bottom of this. So I'm sitting here looking at this stuff, having some experience with immigration law. I was a tax lawyer in my youth, but I was never an immigration lawyer in my youth. But I've done enough work in this particular area and have watched enough things that I know when I'm seeing something that unfolds, which is completely novel. But knowing that something is novel doesn't mean that you know what the correct answer is for doing it. And so you'd like to get some better sense on this. But the Biden administration tends to be extremely willful in the way in which it runs these 
offices. I think one of the great disappointments I've had is watching the way in which Merrill Garland has not stepped up as attorney general to show the kind of independence from the White House when it comes to dealing with these kinds of things. It's, you know, the silly things about issuing terrorist warnings with respect to parents who protest the school boards is something. But I generally have no confidence in the way in which this administration is running. And this, to me, is a kind of a letdown because I thought they would do better when this thing had started out. But I would want not even the Justice Department. I want them to convene an outside panel with some degree of independence to start to review this settlement before it takes place. It's not only the dollars that are involved. Um, If you are correct in the numbers that you mentioned of coming across the border, and you surely are, uh, this is just the tip of a very dangerous iceberg, and we don't know the ways in which we're supposed to deal with and try to control its particular excesses. Um, I've always thought that immigration is one of the most thankless subjects that you could possibly imagine, uh, because they're huge humanitarian tags for getting people in, and they're huge national survival instincts for keeping them out. I keep reminding myself that my grandparents were immigrants to the United States, and that I was born on April 17th. 1943 with some Polish origin, and the Polish uprising in the ghetto began on April 19th. I do not think I had much of a chance as a two-day-old trying to deal with that kind of a situation. So I'm actually quite sympathetic to many of these claims with respect to immigration as an abstract matter. But one of the things that we learn is that if you just open up the borders, it's not This is going to be a replication of what happened in 1894 and 1907 in the peak years. There are all sorts of intermediaries who are going to get involved, and they're going to put impossible burdens on the United States government uh, to do something with housing, simple safety checks, health checks, criminal checks, spy checks, and so forth. Open borders, I think, is as dead as anything can be after these particular episodes. But trying to keep a humane system which isn't utterly restrictive in place is becoming a great challenge. That is one of the things that I'm worried about like this is that you will find that people become so resentful that they will become truly repressive. And the United States has been built on immigrants in many, many cases. And I think that we should try to continue that policy. What's happening is the chaos at the border is going to make it more and more difficult to do so. I want to ask you about one other existing Trump administration policy. It's uh, colloquially called the the Remain in Mexico policy, or officially they call it the Migrant Protection Protocols. And it's this. It's the policy of having asylum seekers wait in Mexico while their petitions are heard instead of having having them wait in the United States, uh, having them, well, giving them a court date or, or others and maybe not having them show up again. The Biden administration has has attempted to to cut it off. A federal judge reinstated it. The Biden administration is making a second attempt to, to drop this policy. And they want to do so because they say that while it may reduce immigration flows, the humanitarian costs are too great. Uh, what's your reaction to that? How would you go about determining if it should be maintained? Uh, Biden always has the wrong instincts. Um, Let's suppose we did the following. We let these people stay in Mexico, figure out what it cost us to keep them in the United States and give a direct subvention under our control to support facilities like that inside Mexico, and then ask the Mexico government to contribute in something as well. Because remember, they're not going to be wildly enthusiastic about holding these populations if they're going to be responsible for their well-being when they're both safety and security risk on the one hand and humanitarian needs for survival. And then what you'd want to do is to set up a series of extraterritorial tribunals so you don't have to hear these cases in the United States. Uh, You go there. 
Why do we want to bring 10,000 people into the United States, some of whom may escape, when we could bring two dozen judges down to Mexico, set up a temporary courthouse, and handle these things much more expeditiously? And if we have to hire local people to do so, fine. And if we need judges who could speak Spanish, we certainly want to take care of doing this. And so I think what Biden is saying is just a false dichotomy. There are ways to humanize the situation in Mexico and to avoid all sorts of really very complicated situations they come to the United States. And remember, if in fact you get them into the United States and house them there, that's going to increase the flow into the United States. If you could keep people in Mexico, it will reduce the flow. My view is you can't make this program work unless you get Mexican cooperation, obviously. It may cost us some money to do that, but it is much better to have a liquidated sum of cash that you have to pay over to the Mexican government and set up institutions for trial in Mexico than to have this entire thing spill over into the United States where the leakage from the system is seriously great. That's what Greg Abbott is talking about when he says, you know, they let people in, they put them on their own recognizance, and Lord knows where they go, what diseases they spread, what crimes they may commit given their desperation, what other consequences will start to happen. I gather the state of Texas is in pretty much in turmoil, particularly along its southern border, and this would be a way to quell the political stuff. So I think, in effect, what Biden has said is a terrible excuse. There are better ways, more humane ways to start to do this. I really think that what his party is, is ultimately to try to figure out how to get as many illegal aliens in the United States and then turn them into citizens. And I use the word illegal because that's the statutory term. It's not that they're undocumented. You could be undocumented and legal. You can't be illegal and legal at the same time. And if you start looking at some of their announcements, they start talking about paths to citizenship for people who come in this particular fashion, which is, I think, a dead loser with respect to the American uh, population at this particular point in time. The illegality risks are too great. This is not somebody who's gets their paperwork a bit confused. This is a mass movement. There are tens and thousands of people who are involved in this policy and in the future. And I think what the president has to do is he has to wise up and figure out how he can strengthen the southern border and still spend some money to be compassionate with respect to the individuals who find themselves in this position. Because if we do not, we will become inundated and he will have to bear the brunt of it. Uh, The man seems to have the worst possible political instinct announcing this program just days before their major elections in places like Virginia for the governorship seems to me to be political folly. Uh, But I have to say the level of disappointment that I have in the Biden administration is simply extraordinary. And I had a very low estimation of what I thought they were and would do to begin with. And they've managed to exceed it in the negative sense. He just does not seem to have the set of advisors. Just to give you one thing, Brett Stevens wrote a recent column, sensible column in the New York Times, which said with respect to his motley crew of foreign affairs guy, start over again. I think I give him the same advice with respect to his immigration crew. Start over again and get somebody who actually knows how to think about something, which seems to be at this point beyond his capability to do. You've been listening to The Libertarian Podcast with Richard Epstein. Remember, you can read Richard's column, The Libertarian, on defining ideas at hoover.org every week. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you tune in. For Richard Epstein, I'm Tom Church. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of the Hoover Institution, where we advance ideas that define a free society and improve the human condition. For more information about our work or to listen to more of our podcasts or watch our videos, 
please visit hoover.org.